In the Gun, Episode 9 here, a Towson recap on a short week. Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, it's your new favorite WVU football podcast. And Jed, our listeners, our viewers on YouTube right now, they might be wondering, I mean, hey, now these are two pretty good-looking guys, but we're missing one here. This is normally a trio on the podcast. Uh, just you and I today, why don't, you, why don't you tell the people where Big O is? Yeah, normally we're looking at three boxes. Today it's a two-box deal, and unless he finds a way to sneak in here after a while. Uh, Owen is on assignment. He's right? on assignment. And, uh, he's on assignment, and uh, he's preparing a special edition that uh, he's prepping for it, that we're going to put we together. Do. Normally in season, as you guys know, you're kind of getting the flow of things. We're a two-episode-per-week podcast, a recap of the previous game, followed by a few days later a preview of the next. Uh, we're going to throw a, an extra little – fast-paced miniature version like a, a shorty at you we're going to call it uh, itg no huddle and uh owen's going to prominently be featured in that and uh he needs to do some preparation for that you're gonna you're gonna be introduced to professor professor he's, schmidt he's doing a little advanced scouting jed there you is, go is there what is go. what is what there he's doing right now uh this episode of itg brought to you by our friends at toothman ford we all know cars cost less in Grafton, we're going to break down the big win over Towson for you. Talk a little uh, top twenty-five, Big Twelve, like we always do. And Jed, that was a, uh, I think, much needed on Saturday. Did did you get your good tasting pistachio? I did. You know, I, it was the great pistachio. You know, it's it's been uh, I'll tell you what since uh, last year in Lawrence that we had that taste, right? Uh, we went through a bowl loss, you know, weeks of preparation for that, a long off season in the spring. And then, of course, we all know about the uh, the two losses to start the season. So, uh, you know, I made a comment in the postgame show on Saturday that uh, you don't read too much into a game like this, but you certainly read something into it. And if you're going to script uh, the type of game you want to have against an overmatched FCS opponent to come out feeling good, this was absolutely the script. I mean, you get a lot of guys in, you jump on them early, you don't ease up, uh, you're efficient, you're clean. We're going to get into a lot of that, but but uh, this is exactly the type of script that you want to unfold. Like, I remember playing William and Mary, and, yeah. and this is to those folks who want to say, like, all these things are the same. Well, you should beat them. You should. Be. Look, if you don't understand, you're not studying the game enough. If you can't tell, not just from a game, something about a football team, but from a series, Okay, whether it's in practice against each other, yeah. whether it's against a superior opponent, inferior opponent, you're just not looking at it closely enough. Uh, we said this about Kansas. One of the ways that you could tell Kansas had turned a bit of a corner was when they blew the doors off Tennessee Tech 56 to 10. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's just Tennessee Tech. Yes, exactly the kind of team that Kansas doesn't do that against. Only good teams do that against right. Tennessee Tech. Right. Good teams should beat them 56 to 10. Good teams should beat Towson 65 to 7. Not all teams do, but back in 2013, we played William and Mary. You remember that 24 to 17 game? You walked sure out of there do. thinking, hey, wow. Ugh. Well, we were four and eight. And we had some issues, but that that wasn't the case. It had a much different vibe, much different feel. So, uh, yeah, it, it went according to plan. Knock on wood, no major health issues coming out of it. A lot of guys got reps. A lot of guys have gradable tape now. So, yeah, that's that's exactly the way we were hoping that would unfold. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, a much-needed uh, day in Morgantown there. Mm -hmm. um, you, you're right, all four quarterbacks leading touchdown drives, uh, all four quarterbacks uh, getting some spin there. 
I thought the, the Hall of Fame stuff at the end of the first quarter w- was really well done. Um, I thought the Bob Huggins, you know, bring it, bringing him out there in the second yeah. quarter as well, too, was a really emotionally charged moment. That was great. And uh, I, was a little, I was a little skeptical. You know, I, I took my 11-month-old daughter to the game. It was her first real game. She went to uh-huh. the, we took her to the spring game in April, but obviously that's, that's a little different. That's much more yeah. casual. Um, and I'm driving down with my wife and, and with our daughter, and in my mind I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, I was like, you know what? There's probably not going to be much of a crowd there today. I'm thinking maybe 40,000, you know, and I'm like, it, while that's going to be a bummer, it'll make it more manageable with with, with the baby and everything, yeah. right? Um, but I tell you what, 50,000 people, they were there. They were ready to go. Um, and, and I think, again, that was just the fan base needed that. The team needed that. You obviously now, you know, every everything really to earn this season is, is still in front of you. Um, but for what you could – gather what you could feel what you could take Mm -hmm. away from from an fcs opponent i think you you checked a lot of boxes on saturday it wasn't just ideal against an fcs opponent but it was ideal against an fcs opponent on a short week the last thing you wanted to do was drag this thing out into the third or fourth quarter and then take care of business in the late going right i thought it was critical to take care of business early you know get a lot of folks in there rep a lot of folks and we were able to do that so again sign me up for Another one of those the next time we face such an opponent. Jed, taking a look at the top 25 here. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, are these cowards going to rank Kansas? What are we doing? I, I, I'll be honest with you. How have they not at this point? With the, the I thought situation? they were going to get game yeah. day. This I thought they were going to get game day this yeah, well, week. I heard chatter about that. I heard chatter. <laughs> unbeaten Duke at uh, unbeaten Kansas. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're getting votes in both polls. Uh, little surprise that uh, – that they didn't slide in there three, you know, I mean, we, we, here's the thing. If you've ever done a top 25 poll, once you get past 10, 12, it becomes pretty murky and difficult. And once you get past 20, it really becomes difficult to yeah. differentiate between those teams. So it's almost like you're saying, well, that team's on TV this week. Let's keep them at 24. So it's two, you know, ranked teams against each other. That's what ends up happening. Uh, so Kansas, what a story. They're right on the fringes. Uh, you know, we'll get into it later in the show when we do our recaps of uh, our projections, but uh, they continue to impress, especially on the offensive side of the football. But, uh, but yeah, they, they, they haven't cracked the top 25, but they're getting votes in both the coaches and the AP. And the other thing that jumped out at me is PSU. I mean, Penn State taking the yeah. jump they took. When you blow the doors off anybody from the SEC – that's particularly the on the road, jump. too. Particularly yeah. on the road. When you go to Jordan Heron and do that. So they took a nice hike, but there wasn't a lot changed in the top eight or so. But uh, those were a couple of things that jumped out to me about, about the new top 25 polls. Yeah, that I tell you what, that that was an impressive win by Penn State. I, real quick, Jed, I, I do this funny thing for work, right? Um, we call it uh, we call it A-G-A-B, call it CFB, right? Okay, so A-G-A-B-C-F-B, and it means actually good, actually bad college football. And it's just this funny little, like, quip that we do, and I, I tweet it out from time to time. But it's because we all know college football is such a week-to-week sport, particularly oh, in the yeah. first in the first four or five weeks of the season while everyone's really trying the to carve, out, way carve out their identity and figure out who they are. A-G-A-B, actually good, actually bad. Okay, and you just pick a couple teams. Oh, well, this team's actually good. This team's actually bad. This week I had actually good Penn State and Kansas. Actually bad, uh, ca- actually bad Kansas State and Marshall. So that was Oh, my- wow. <laughs> Maybe I'll do my, my, my AGAB for 30 seconds here every week for you. Wow. 
Okay, yeah, again, Kansas, that's a spoiler alert, you know. Kansas State, uh, too, though. I mean, yeah, they were a sleeper for a lot State, of people. That's what I'm saying, spoiler alert with Kansas State. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, we're going to yeah. we're gonna touch on that, but uh, sure, that, that's interesting. Sure yeah, that's very interesting. Things yeah. start to solidify in one direction or the other. You know, uh, water will always balance itself out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll always find that flat surface and be true. Uh, but the polls are, are wildly misleading. I mean, it's just particularly early on, particularly early on. And uh, and now I, I do think that we live in this new reality with the portal impacting things so broadly that uh, you could argue that the middle tier schools uh, stand to gain more from it for potential upsets than the blue bloods, because the blue bloods kind of always got who they wanted anyway. All right. Well, now it's opening the door for a certain faction of teams in the middle to put guys in the yeah. right spot and attack an open space and find a matchup they like against some of these blue bloods. And that's why you're seeing this, this uh, crazy steady diet of upsets or near upsets that we've seen early this year, even more than normal. I think Kansas Vanderbilt Rutgers and Duke combined 12 and one cats and dogs living in mass hysteria. Yep. Uh, Jed, before we, uh, before we go to the 50 yard line with you and get into some, uh, some specifics, from Saturday, it's time for our poll recap, brought to you again by our friends at Toothman Ford. Uh, the question was, which part of WVU's decisive 65-7 to win over Towson were you happiest to see? Uh, first place with almost 50% of the vote, scoring drives by four different quarterbacks. Second place with 24% of the vote, the ground game. 316 yards and six touchdowns. Third place right on the heels there, 20% of the vote. Uh, Third down defense, Towson just three for 14 on third down. And then, uh, you know, you you had the other option as always. Um, People, a a lot of people leaving comments, um, you know, like Daniel tweets us, uh, no injuries uh, in a game like that. You know, Jeff says feels feels like a confidence builder. Um, Jason said the perfect throw from Nico Markiel. and uh, Michael says Towson not scoring a touchdown on offense. So a couple, couple different answers there. And, again, that's, that gets back to just checking a lot of those boxes that you wanted to see on Saturday. Well, that's the beauty of it. And, and, again, the engagement's incredible. We have 400 and some odd votes. I posted that thing late Saturday, early Sunday for less than a day. Um, so you guys were cranking it out and becoming engaged and taking part in it. That's what makes this fun. But it, it's – I'll tell you what, it's – it's hard to argue against any of those answers if you selected them, but I'm not so sure. Again, it would be so tedious and such such labor to dig up. I was talking with a, about it with other statisticians. I mean, I'm going to guess that it's the first time in West Virginia football history that we've had four touchdown drives led by four different quarterbacks because it's a rarity to see four quarterbacks to appear. See four, period. Yeah. Okay. But you're talking, you'd have to go through some box scores now to figure that out. But but trust me when I say that's like seeing Bigfoot riding a unicorn, you know. Uh, but speaking of Nico, uh, funny comment that uh, before before the pregame started or during a break early in the pregame, one or the other, uh, I was with Andrew Caridi, who you know and love, right? Mm-hmm. And I made a comment to Andrew, and I said, hey, what's Vegas pegging the odds on a Nico to Preston Fox touchdown pass today. <laughs> and he's like, I like that. I like that. I was like, yeah, uh, it's too bad. I'm sure that the desert doesn't have odds on that. That'd be kind of fun to look at. But I said, this, <laughs> this is hopefully if everything goes according to script, it turns into that kind of day. That's what I told him. And, and so I had to smile uh, with good. that scoring call, strike. I was like, oh, that's just there. so beautiful. That's just so beautiful. So that was that's the perfect great. cherry on top. 
I love it. I love it. Before we go to break, let's go to the 50-yard line. Anything you want to share with us that you saw on the field, on the man trip? I know for those who, who follow you on Twitter, you were tweeting out some cool pictures and videos, as you always do. Uh, what stood out to you on Saturday? Uh, the biggest thing I noticed, and I, I heard chatter starting during pregame, that we could crack 50,000. Because with all the doom and gloom we've heard throughout the course of the week, we've heard numbers that in some cases, oh, it's going to be half that, right? It's going to be half that. Uh and I just didn't know. I mean, the weather was going to cooperate, but sometimes that means the game's competing with other activities. Some people choose to do other things, right? But but not in West Virginia, right? Uh, so what we found out uh, was on a day to that an 0-2 team was trying to get its first W, uh, 50,703 Mountaineer fans showed up to support them. Here's why that was critical. They were loud. They were engaged. They were into it. Uh, we had some key recruits populating that sideline. And you know what? It's one thing to have an energetic crowd that's lively and into it. It's another thing to do it when you haven't won yet. And those recruits recognize and can distinguish between, wow, these guys are 0-2. And it's a more impressive crowd than I saw last year at, at this 3-1 team. And I went, what's going on? Wow, these, these fans are really – that is the opportunity a fan base has to truly impress and separate itself. Anybody can be a front runner. Okay. Anybody, anybody can be on a bandwagon when a program's having success and ranked high and everything's going well. Uh, of course, there's going to be a turnout, but in, in times of strife and you're trying to find yourself and fix some issues, that's when you need the fan base's help. And the fans impacted not just recruits on the sidelines by impressing them, but they impacted the game yeah. and they made some noise at the appropriate times. We have some football savvy fans, right? I mean, it's, it's like, you know, like much like what Virginia tech does, we'll get into that, but, but it's kind of like playing baseball in St. Louis against the Cardinals. The 82-year-old yeah. grandma gets it, right? She knows when to make noise, when to not to. And playing hockey in Detroit, fans. right? Yeah, that's, that's right. That's how Mountaineer fans are. And, and so the fact that we turned out in the numbers that we did under those circumstances, uh, again, I like to brag about Mountaineer Nation to folks outside the state, and that's just uh, one more uh, tool in my uh, chest that I'll be using to do that bragging because that was impressive, and that was – I think in part because of that, uh, it, it, it lent itself to a lot of energy on the sidelines. I mean, first of all, things were going well in the field, uh, but those kids were having a blast. And they, they loved the fact they were playing off of the crowd. Uh, we talked about the success the quarterbacks had, but every big play, every touchdown was, was just such a fun, incredible celebration. The crowd was into it. But it was a, I, was a, I was very proud to be associated with West Virginia football on that day because that – uh, our fans showed up uh, in numbers and impressed. That they did. Like I said, I was I was pleasantly surprised with you as well, too. Um, I was thinking it was going to be a lighter crowd. It was not. People were ready to go. It was a beautiful day for mm -hmm. it as well, too. You know, probably about 80 degrees or so out there. One o'clock kickoff. You love it. You get the extra hour to tailgate, but you still get to get home in time for supper. Uh, yeah, it was a – it was, like I said, a much-needed day at Mountaineer Field. Um, and now we will uh, we'll see if we can carry that momentum into a short week in Blacksburg. But before we do all that, we got to recap everything that happened against those Towson Tigers. We'll begin to do that when we return on the other side after these words from our friends at Toothman Ford. Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, you are in the gun. I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. 
And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton at Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. ITG, episode number nine. Just Euler and Drenning on this one. Owen is on assignment. He'll be back uh, early this week with uh, with some, some good stuff to get you all ready for that battle for the Black Diamond Trophy on Thursday night. Jed, time to uh, revisit some of our score projections here, see how we did, see how close we were or how far off we were in some of these instances. We'll start with the top 25, as we always do. Two games uh, in the top two, two top 25 matchups, I should say, on Saturday. Uh, first one was BYU at Oregon. Were you surprised by this one? I was a little surprised by this. I, uh, I thought that this game was going to be closer than it ended up being a pretty comfortable win for the Ducks. Yeah, uh, you know, it was a bounce-back game for Oregon. People still thought they were losing or licking their wounds from that blowout loss to Georgia. But Georgia's going to do that to some folks now, right? Oh. Well, we we last week projected uh, a BYU-Oregon score of 31-28 to 28 Oregon. And as you can see, we'll pop them up on the screen here and take a look at our projections and our results. We got two games, as you touched on, Wes. BYU-Oregon, our projection was 31-28, the actual result. 41 to 20, pretty impressive win against a good BYU team for the Oregon Ducks and Dan Lanning. Uh, the other top 25 game outside the Big 12 that we took a look at was College Station, the unbeaten Miami Hurricanes visiting College Station and Jimbo looking for a bounce back after the Appy State loss. We projected, based on the point spread and the over-under, a 27-21 uh, Aggies win. As it turned out, it was more of a rock fight than we expected even, even more low scoring, 17 to nine, uh, kind of a, an ugly football game. I don't know how much of that you got to see, but when you watched uh, Tyler Van Dyke really struggled, he was held in check by that A&M defense. So I watched most of it. I fell nine. asleep in the fourth yeah. quarter, but I watched that's a good one to fall asleep to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that's, that's how our projections went for those two top 25 games. Yeah, A&M, Miami, low-scoring one there, certainly. I think maybe a little bit more than all of us expected. You look at the graphic coming up on your screen right now, and uh, there were our projections and the actual results. Uh, A&M, yeah, getting a much-needed. A&M needed that one on the field and, and off the field, too, Jed. I mean, their their midnight yell crew was getting getting mocked by everybody. Oh, yeah. Did you, did was, you see that last I week? did see it. I did see it. Yeah, they are like, how did this leak out? And I – you know, it was a bad week to be an Aggie. How they needed this, to bounce you know what, back. That is hilarious to me, too, when they were like, how did this leak out? Yeah. My brother, it's 2022. Everything yeah. leaks out. Everybody's got a computer. Everyone's got a computer. Everyone's got a computer in their yeah. in their pocket, yeah. all right? Everything gets out now. Yeah, and it's – well, I mean, there were there were folks last week saying, look, you know, if, if A&M doesn't win this, they could be staring down the barrel of a one-and-five star tonight. You know, uh, but Jimbo's pretty good at – circling the wagons, removing the noise and distractions and returning his team's focus to what they need. And, and, you know, the other thing worth mentioning is he had some key guys suspended for violation of team rules. 
And if ever there was a time that you thought, eh, maybe someone's going to relax their, right, their right. a bit because we really need this. He didn't, you know, he did not. So he uh, sat those guys out and still found a way to win an ugly football game. But at the end of the year, they don't ask how they ask or how that's many. Right. You know, so that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite lines. Yeah, I, I, I love that line. I do. They don't ask how they ask how many, especially yeah. in sports. Uh, let's look at some of these big 12 games yes. that we projected, Jed. Uh, Oklahoma, Nebraska, that one there. Um, I think we all thought that that could be a comfortable Oklahoma win, but, man, that was that was like a snuggy comfortable. That was like Christmas yeah. pajamas comfortable for the Sooners. Yeah, one of two things was going to happen with Nebraska. Uh, they were either going to look what, like what they probably are, and that's rudderless, or they were going to energize behind – the interim situation, the interim coach and rally a little bit and give you some better football than what we've seen. And, and obviously they look rudderless. Uh, so a lot to be said there. Uh, we projected a 38, 27 Oklahoma win, but as you touched on, they ran away from with it 49 to 14 in Lincoln. The Sooners did. Texas state at Baylor speaking of running away with it. Uh, we projected 42 to 10. It was 42 to seven. Pretty Pretty spot on there, certainly, as Baylor continues to uh, to beat up on some some little sisters of the poor and and, and, and pad that record as, as you were uh, lining out for us last week there. Uh, Ohio at Iowa State. This one, Jed, a little close in the first half, but the Cyclones yeah. able to, to distance themselves and, and get a comfy, uh, was it 43 to 10, I believe, was the final on that one? 43 to 10. They struggled to run the football uh, to, to the effect that I, I thought they might be able to. And, Hunter Deckers had to. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on that later in the show as well. Had to, had to really step forward and and uh, help them separate. But uh, yeah, forty three to ten after our projection was a thirty four to fourteen game. So Tulane at Kansas State. I tell you what, rough day for the Wildcats at home. We had projected thirty one to seventeen victory yeah. uh, for K State there, but they end up falling. Jed seventeen to ten. To yeah. Tulane, and and what I must say, if anybody saw this, maybe the best helmet matchup I've seen in a, in a long time. Both of those teams wearing throwback lids, that was pretty cool. Yeah, but uh, Tulane's going to be the one who enjoys that long term. Yeah, they are. Uh, again, like you said, we projected thirty-one seventeen KSU. Uh, turned out to be seventeen ten Tulane. We got the seventeen part right. Uh, but interesting thing about that game: first of all, Tulane came in unbeaten. They're very much under the radar. Uh, Tulane won that game despite being one of 12 on third down hmm. and minus two in turnovers. Wow. That to me is the far more telling part of that football game. I mean, that does that spell issues for KSU again, Tulane's an underrated team. I think they're going to knock some folks off, and win some games this year, but one of 12 on third down and you're plus two in turnovers. You're the wildcats and you still can't pull that off at home. That's, that's tough. That is tough. That, 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 that's a real, that's a real uh, gut punch for the Wildcats, mm -hmm. for sure. We'll pull up the graphic now. You take a look at it here um, and see what we projected versus the actual results. First half of these Big 12 games. Like we said, couple couple that we were right on the money here. couple uh, surprising us as, as can happen on any given college football Saturday. Mm -hmm. Moving on to the rest of the Big 12 games here, Mr. Drenning. And I tell you what, I think one that, that everybody had circled, Kansas, Houston, Certainly dis, uh, didn't disappoint. Um, you know, we had projected a 10-point win for Houston. I think a lot of people thought, okay, here's the kind of emotional letdown, maybe the, you know, the 
one step back to the two steps forward for the Kansas football program, yeah. but they were able to go down there to Houston and get a comfortable win. They were. It was very impressive. And, uh, I mean, I thought we were, in our projection, we were a little high in the scoring uh, because Vegas had them pegged in the low 60s for an over-under. And as you touched on, uh, Houston was giving 10. So we had it at 38 to 28. But that's not how things turned out as Kansas won that football game 48 to 30. And really, after falling behind early, much like they did in Morgantown, stayed the course, rebounded, and yeah. took control of that football game in the second half. And and uh, if they can solve a couple things defensively, they have obviously have some personnel issues. We talked about their depth issues, but their depth issues only matter if you can get to them, okay? Only if you can get to them. Uh, and the way they're scoring offensively, uh, that's that's going to be tough to do. But if they can solve anything defensively and start slowing a couple folks down, maybe steal a possession or two, Ooh, they're going to be dangerous. I mean, I was going to be impressed by them if they went down there and just put up a good fight. I mean, I yeah. thought they'd be running on an empty tank after a huge win in Morgantown, back-to-back -back road trips. That's asking a lot of anybody, much less a team trying to take that next step like they are. Uh, but the fact they went down there and weren't able to perform like that, that is that is impressive. And that's why they're getting votes in both polls. That is – I'm with you. I, I was very impressed. Um, and, it, it, again, it, it looks like – Kansas actually good and uh, and that'll that'll certainly be something that we'll keep an eye on for the rest of the season Texas Tech at NC State of course NC State ranked they've got some ACC championship game aspirations this season uh, was always going to be a tough one for Tech on the road and Jed I think this played out you know a little bit more high scoring maybe well not really honestly this you know projection wise um, a little different but, but but not too far off right in that kind of 12 13 point range yeah, and Tech scored late, uh, you know, and, and as I always like to remind people and the folks in Lubbock will tell you, Tony Gibson's nightmare fuel for the Red Raiders, right? So once again, you know, his odd stack has its way with, with what Texas Tech was trying to do offensively. That Texas Tech offense came in humming through a couple games. It really did. And this is its first major test. Uh, I mean, remember, they knocked off Houston. Uh, that was a challenge. They looked good in doing it, but uh, – but this was, uh, this was too much to bear for them. Uh, NC State played a good football game. Nothing dynamic offensively, just enough to stay out of its own way. Uh, Devin Leary didn't put up real big numbers, anything like that. It was driven by the defense, this this battle-tested, veteran-laden defense that Gibby has. And Texas Tech scored late, and that was kind of it. And uh, yeah, then you got the Roadrunners, Wes. You know, the Roadrunners yeah. coming to Austin. And they, they made that interesting for a while. You know, I think you, that's exactly how everyone expected that to go, right? Yeah, Texas had, on that Alabama hangover. They're yeah, going to need some time start, to get into that one close start, out. but they'll yeah. pull away. Yeah. And uh, and Texas San Antonio has some kids that can make some things happen and, and uh, keep you riveted a little bit. But, but uh, yeah, Texas separates. We projected a 37-24 game. Texas wins by three touchdowns, 41-20. And, of course, Texas looking like a top 25 football team as they are. You know, they, they do find a way to survive the week after. But if you want to pull the graphic up, we'll touch on these final three. Kansas at Houston, as we said, we projected 38-28 last week. We were off. We were way off. Matter of fact, Wes, that's a 28-point miss. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Kansas wins 48-30. to 30. Texas Tech at NC State, we projected 33-21. 
uh, NC State, the Wolfpack actually won 27 to 14. So well, we, I, I'll cheat and say we projected a 12 point win and they won by 13, but we were off. There of you go. Uh, and then of course, Texas, we projected 37, 24 based on the point spread based on the over under, as it turns out, as we said, 41 to 20 at DKR nice win for Texas to, to get, get back on the, uh, get off the schneid if, if they even were on it or, uh, after that, that, uh, Alabama game. So there were some projections. Now for the actual predictions yeah. that we made. We make three of these every week. Uh, Jed usually leads us off with his signal caller of the week. That is just which quarterback in the Big 12 will throw for the most yards. And, Jed, you're still looking to get off that schneid. Yeah, I, I am. You know, I'm almost thinking we need a point system, right? Like, like if you finish in the top five, you get so many points. Top there we three. Go. There this we is go. tough. This is tough, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I projected Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma. He was facing Nebraska defense that uh, has struggled mightily through the first handful of games. They were last in the uh, Big Ten. Total defense, 13th uh, against the pass. Uh, the problem was the Sooners jumped out way early and he didn't need to throw it. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. so they sat on it for a while. He ended up with 230 yards, which was, as you can see here, the third most by a Big 12 passer. Hunter Deckers for Iowa State. Uh, had the performance that the Cyclones needed in their win over Ohio. Spencer Sanders, again, that's a little misleading because all of his came in the first quarter and a half, really, yeah, you know, yeah. against uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. I mean, Oklahoma State is looking like such a fundamentally transformed football team. Still terribly dangerous, but oh my, in a different way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They can't yeah. stop like anybody. They like can't, they're struggling to run the ball. I mean, they don't check any of the boxes of last year, but they check one box with a bright red X this year, and that is that offense looks incredible. Humming. Yeah, yeah back to I maybe mean, what we've expected from Mike Gundy teams. Spencer Sanders very much seems to have picked up where he left off in that bowl win over Notre Dame, almost 500 yards. I mean, yeah, and he's been turnover-free. Let's, let's hope that, uh, that somebody can jar something loose with those cats. Yeah, no, absolutely. Owen every week predicts the Big 12 beer truck of the week, which running back will have the most yards on the ground. Owen, how'd you do? Oh, that's right. He's he's on assignment. Uh, C.J. Donaldson was his pick for this week. Uh, C.J. and Tony both going over 100 yards. But Bijan Robinson, Mr. Bijan Mustard himself, with a buck uh -huh. 84 on the ground, Jed. He is bell cow, to use a Texas reference. Absolutely. And, and, you know, with the way that game was unfolding early, he's exactly the tonic they needed to get out of that. I mean, he was that steady presence that they recognized. Don't get frantic. Don't freak out. Just keep leaning on Bijan. Good things are going to happen. We're going to break their back eventually. And certainly that did happen. And, you know, another name to keep an eye on, Richard Reese out of Baylor suddenly. Yeah. You know, here we go. Uh, Baylor may have found their guy. You know, they lost Abraham Smith. They've been looking for a replacement. You know, they had some candidates. Uh, Richard Reese, 156 yards in the win over uh, Texas State in the fighting Jake Spavitals. Uh, and then, of course, <laughs> another consistent, you know, effort by Eric Gray at Oklahoma, 113 yards on the ground, ground in the win at Nebraska. And finally, finally, <laughs> getting off the schneid with the low-hanging fruit. Big 12 defense of the week. I said WVU. Now, technically, we had a three-way tie for this, all right? WVU, Oklahoma State, Baylor all allowed just seven points. But Jed, 
rightfully so, I think. I know I'm biased here a little bit, but uh-huh. WVU, obviously, the defense did not allow that touchdown. It was on the uh, kickoff return right after WVU had scored. So just a special teams touchdown. So technically, WVU defense pitches the shutout. I get the tiebreaker. I'm on the board. Yeah. You are on the board. And this we finally get to see – all we've seen is notes with the red X's so far this year. So we finally get to see what a yep even looks we need, like. We needed that one. Marks. We needed that one from We needed that one. So uh, I, I even went to check and see how Arkansas Pine Bluff scored, how Texas State scored, because I wanted to see if they were on special teams because I was dying to find an excuse to not give this to you. But you got the tiebreaker. And uh, it, it also gives me an opportunity, as you touched on, technically the defense pitched a shutout. But defenses get screwed. I mean, what's new? I mean, the game of football caters to offense because that's what fans like with a couple right, exceptions. Right. Now, think about it. When you score on special teams or you score on defense, your offense climbs the rankings in scoring. That counts towards your team scoring, which the offense is given credit for. So if you're averaging 37 points a game, who knows if you had three pick sixes, two punt returns, and a kickoff return. That all counts towards scoring, sure. and the OC and the offense are going to get credit for it. Now, inversely, if you're on the defense, you're, on the, you're not even on the field for field goal attempts, That's right? Rough. Much less special teams touchdowns or when the other team scores on defense, and it all counts against your scoring. So what's new? Things are unfair for defensive players, but – yeah, great job rebounding in such a way uh, as we hoped they would against an inferior opponent by the West Virginia defense. We're going to talk more about that when we return. We'll jump into the game specifics, the good, the bad, the pivotal moments, all those things. Jed and I will fully uh, recap the victory over the Towson Tigers when we return after these words from GoMart. I'm Wesley Euler. He's Jed Drenning, and you are in the gun. Game day got you on the go? We get it. GoMart is here to keep you going all season long with stores throughout our home state. We're a proud West Virginia-owned company, and our friendly staff is committed to serving our communities. From fuel to freshly brewed coffee and snacks, a stop at GoMart to cover your game day needs is always a touchdown. Plus, GoMart Rewards members earn points with each purchase to redeem for discounts on gas and free items. So stop by, start saving, and stay on the go with GoMart. ITG, Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning with you here. It's time for the Towson game recap. The good, a few bad things, and the pivotal moment, of course. But, Jed, after, you know, two downtrodden weeks of of losing against Pitt and losing against Kansas and both of those games coming down to the wire, you know, not just that you lost, you kind of lost in heartbreaking fashion as well, too. I figured, obviously, on the back of a 65-7 win here, we could start with the good if that's all right with you. Um, I'll, I'll tee you up on this one. What what stands out to you first? I think that what's on everybody's mind is it was a clean football game. Okay, and what I mean by that is limited penalties, 34 yards on five penalties, and compared to what we had the first couple games out, that's the kind of improvement, the kind of trend that you want to see. Uh, we didn't turn the football over. I mean, we've had these costly turnovers. How many times you heard in the first couple weeks – Four turnovers, four touchdowns off those turnovers, and those were the differences in those two games. So, uh, yeah, I I think you're going to start with how clean we played. Uh, And I keep going back to this, but it's true. You can tell something about your football team, if you know what to look for, every rep in practice and certainly every rep in a game. So just because you're playing somebody that's overmatched with fewer scholarships, that doesn't mean you can't tell a whole lot 
about your football game, a football team. Uh, so it was a clean game. One of the th areas that we wanted to see improvement, we talked about this being a critical and key stat to keep an eye on West, was West Virginia's third down efficiency on defense, yep. right? Because when these games against these types of opponents get dragged out, in large measure, that's why. They're winning on third down. They keep the sticks moving. They keep your offense off the field and keep it frustrated and take the air out of the game. That wasn't the case. We even talked about the blowout we had against them in 2014, the 54-0 game, in part that's because the defense held them in that game 4 of 15 on third down. Well, on Saturday, Jordan Wesley and Shadon Brown's defense held Towson to 3 of 14 on third down. And you know what? A lot of those were third and longs because we were winning on the early downs. So it wasn't the Kansas situation where it was third and two, third and three, they were ahead of schedule. You did what you needed to do against this offense. What good what good defenses do against this offense, okay? And that is knock them into third and long, hold them on three and 14, three or 14. Again, not all offenses, not all defenses do that against these offenses, but pretty good defenses do. So that's yeah. what that tells yeah. you, okay? Run game. I mean, we posted some numbers. Uh, some of these numbers we haven't talked about since the beer truck was playing. <laughs> Six rushing touchdowns, right? 316 yards. Two guys hit the century mark. We got to see some good things. It's always fun to see Garrett in there and hit a seam and see what he can do in shake and bake. Uh, you know, funny thing about Garrett is at halftime at Pitt, he had that run in the second quarter, I remember. And I thought he was just like a half tackle away from busting that. And so I asked him in the locker room at halftime. I said, I mentioned to him, I said, I thought you were going to bust that. Pop that thing outside and bust it. You know, like you did at TCU last year. And he said, no, it won't be like TCU. He said, next time I bust one, they're not catching me. <laughs> so he, he takes pride in the speed that he's gained yeah. with Coach Joseph yeah. in the offseason and the conditioning program. But, and then finally, you know, talk about efficiency. We scored on all 10 possessions, okay? Uh, four different quarterbacks leading touchdown drives. That's awesome. You know, so, and, and each one was fun in its own way. Uh, again, JT took care of business like a pro's pro out there just was a model of efficiency drove us up and down the field got the reps that he needed and then he was over there drinking some gatorade all right yep. next thing you know garrett's in there he's throwing the ball a little bit he's making things happen with his legs it was exciting to watch him do that so he gets his scoring involved next thing you know goose is in there now goose here's an interesting thing about goose that wasn't goose's first career scoring drive his first career scoring drive was last year against long island yep. and here's what those two scoring drive that was a long one Here's what they have in common. He hasn't thrown an incompletion on either one. He's now eight for eight in those two scoring drives in his career. That's pretty cool. So, and the funny thing is I, I played with Goose's high school coach from Gardendale, Alabama. We played together at Sanford for Terry Bowden. And so I was texting Chad, his coach, during the game. And he's throwing stuff on social media about how That's excited awesome. he is that this former Rockets doing this and doing that. And then, of course, Nico gets in. The place comes alive. He, he does what he does. He, he plays pitch and catch. His first play in the game is a completion on a stick route, and then he delivers a nice throw on a great catch to Preston Fox. Great to see a local kid come through the way he did with a great catch. Uh, you know, and, and Caden Beiser, you know, defensively, talking about local kids. So two local kids who, who really came to play on Saturday. So a lot of good came from this football game. And, again, please stop telling me, well, yeah, you should beat that team 60. No, <laughs> trust me. Trust me. You don't always do that. That's a good sign when you do. It wasn't 27 to 17. It wasn't 31 to 10. It was 65 to 7, a name your score game. Good teams turn those games into name your score games. Struggling teams or bad teams don't. They struggle against those teams. So there was a lot to take from it in the good column. I completely agree.
Can I add one specific there for you, you as sure well, too? Can. Please. Uh, I think a lot of people have talked. Uh, Caden Prather having himself a, a nice game mm-hmm. and, and really flashing a lot of that talent that we all know he, he has scored the first touchdown of the game. His effort and his double block on on Donaldson's, what was it, 82-yard run, I think yeah. it was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. He gets yeah. to the second level of the defense. He makes a block for CJ. CJ gets past him. He runs past CJ and makes another block for him. That was like right that they were running towards where our where our season tickets are. We're kind of uh-huh. we're on the visitor sideline at about the the 20 yard line, okay? okay? And so that that play is running right towards us the whole time. And I'm sitting there with my wife and my daughter and I'm like, "Oh, that's a hell of a block by KP." Oh, that's, that's that's another hell of a block one, by yeah. KP. That that to me, I love to see that because that that is that desire, that is that dog, that is that fire of I, I made a great block to to spring CJ, and you know what? I'm gonna run him down. I'm gonna make another block so he can take this thing to the house. I loved that. That that's a that's a teammate right there. Let me tell you something. We are tied for the national lead among Power Five offenses with four plays of 50-plus yards. That doesn't happen with that kind of effort downfield from your wideouts. Only if your wideouts are willing to make that sacrifice and put forth that kind of effort downfield do you pop those kind of splash plays, those kind of game breakers. And you know what? It's interesting you say that about KP because you're not the only person that mentioned that to me or took notice of that. And when I saw him do it, my mind immediately jumped back to one thing. I remember grading the Kansas game in Lawrence last year. And if you remember the famous, now famous, Tony Mathis run, where it looked for all the world like he was down in that rugby scrum, somehow battled his way out and busted yep. up our sidelines for the long run. On that play, KP came from the backside all the way across the field. And when he did so, he stalked that corner and eliminated him from making a play and probably bought Tony Mathis an extra 20 yards on that. It's it's a knack that Caden Prather has. And speaking of those wideouts, yes, they were doing those types of things downfield. What an exceptional day with exceptional yeah. catches. Whether it was the one in the end zone by KP on the back shoulder fade, whether it was we talked about the Preston catch, box catch. We What a catch by Reese. You know, yep. Reese Smith when you credit. Yep. But the catch of the day. And the greatest 10-yard catch you'll ever see in your life was made by Jeremiah Aaron, four feet in front of me, in front of our bench. I mean, when JT let that football go, Jeremiah was covered like a blanket. And I thought, okay, well, I had to move my head because JT's throwing it way out of bounds. Well, he gave Jeremiah an ounce of a chance to make a play. And, boy, he turned that ounce into a gallon. And and the the way he stretched his body and did so instantaneously – the hand-eye coordination he exhibited right in front of us. We're all standing there like, did that just happen? Did that really just happen? That was an amazing effort, but what a day for the West Virginia wideouts. That's the type of stuff we're going to need moving forward, starting Thursday night in Blacksburg. Those are the types of plays in, in both the run game and the pass game that that room and that group is going to have to consistently provide. You don't get 316 on the ground without mm. some some help from your wide receivers downfield, yeah. certainly. Uh, all right, I guess we should touch on here some of the bad. And I, if you're watching this on on YouTube, I'm I'm doing bad in air quotes because it's yeah. it's relative in this type of conversation, right? Uh, but Jed, I think maybe kickoff coverage is is certainly one of those. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that's that's something I I'll say this to start with. 
uh, you know, Towson, uh, if it has a specialty in anything, okay, a pedigree in anything throughout its brief history, 50, 50 sure, or so special years teams. program. Special teams. I mean, their two most notable football alums are who? Dave Meggett, yep. all-pro kick returner, all right? Yeah, third-down specialist too, but more known for his prowess in the punt return and kick return game. And Sean Landetta, all-pro punter, okay? So you expected some solid special teams. Neil warned the team about it throughout the course of the week. Those guys have been pretty exceptional within their league. And sure enough, they popped one on us. We weren't sound. Uh, you got to maintain your lanes. I mean, that's something that needs worked on. And, and here's why that's a concern. It's always a concern when you're giving up cheap points like that. But uh, it seems to me like right around the corner on Thursday night, we might be marching to Blacksburg to face a team that – do you think Virginia Tech traditionally has a little something-something with special teams? So, yeah. You know, be on high alert for that. Let's Jed, get, they, get to that address quickly. They might be the football team in the world that is most synonymous with special teams. I, I would agree. I like would I, agree. I, I make this reference from time to time. I think most of our listeners know by now, but those who don't, I, I, I host a radio show for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, with Arthur Motes, who's a former Steelers linebacker. Mm-hmm. And I say from time to time, you know, a couple times a year, I'll find myself saying the Pittsburgh Steelers are the sports team in the world that is most synonymous with defense, right? Steel, yeah, yeah, Steel yeah. Curtain, Blitzburg. I mean, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, are the professional sports franchise most most synonymous with defense. Yeah, yeah. Virginia Tech is the is the special teams uh, equivalent of that. That's yeah, right. So, That's so we'll a good analogy. Be, we'll need to be buttoned up in, in that regard without a doubt. Uh, I also wouldn't hate it if maybe we forced more than one turnover Thursday night in Blacksburg as well. Yeah, you know, we only have two through three games. Uh, these things sometimes happen in bunches. It, it wouldn't hurt my feelings at all if, uh, if uh, down in Lane Stadium we come up with three, four, or five. I mean, that could absolutely determine the outcome of that game. I mean, first of all, you want to be secure with the football offensively and from a special team standpoint, we were. But second of all, you want to create those extra opportunities from a defensive perspective. Uh, and, and that's one area that we certainly need to improve. Uh, that's, that's on the to-do list. So um, we, we need to do a better job of doing it. Part of that comes, it's a function of getting hats to the ball. Uh, the more hats you get to the football, and this unit's just playing together through three games now, but uh, it's hustle, it's pursuit angles, and it gets, gets getting hats to the football. The more you hustle defensively, the more you're going to be around the football, and the next thing you know, luck comes your way, and, and fortune smiles on you, and those turnovers will come. Let's hope that happens Thursday night in Blacksburg. Before we get to our uh, pivotal moments and start to wrap this up, any other, uh, again, air quotes, bad that you want to touch on here? Uh, nitpicking, uh, you know, 64% of Towson's yards came in their last three possessions. So that, that's when you're putting the pups in and you start to, you know, uh, substitute a little more liberally. I would, I would like to have seen a little more production out of some of the, the young guys that got on the field. But that's expected. That's growing pains. Uh and also, we had an opportunity to really slam the door statistically on them. So yeah. that kind of—that's what kind of irks me a little bit. Is sometimes the Baylor's of the world that rank so high defensively in these categories. That's because that's what they're doing to Albany, you know. But right, uh, right. but you know, in addition to that, you know, right after JT uh, hit Sam on the big post for 51 yards on the skinny, you know, that put us a first and goal situation at the nine. You know, that was followed by an incompletion, a no gain, and an incompletion. So we had to settle for a field goal. Um, yeah, that's not going to hurt you against Towson when you're humming, all, you know, firing all cylinders, but that'll hurt you in a place like Blacksburg. You're going to have to make the most of those red zone opportunities because they might, in some of these games, be at a premium. Yeah. 
No, you gotta. You need sevens and not threes, right? Yes. Particularly when you're when you're on the road in a rivalry game. And we will obviously uh, have a full Virginia Tech recap for you later on here in the week as we get closer to Thursday. Jed, time for our pivotal moment of the game, brought to us by our friends at High Street Prince. Now, some people in this business, all right, they don't like to admit or acknowledge when they're wrong. Okay, I've been telling you HighStreetPrints.com. I was wrong. It's HighStreetPrintShop.com. So is, is the, is the, is so the website, all right? We're I'm not Arthur Ponzarelli. We can say the word. We were both wrong. Yeah. We were both wrong. Highstreetprintshop.com for all of your uh, printing and merchandising needs. And they're getting busy. They are, they are getting busy, and, and that's good um, because we, we, we love it, and we're going to have some uh, some gear and some merch for you all soon. Uh, you you want to go first on this one? Uh, yeah, just to, to polish that point off, they'll be they'll be superintending the construction of the merchandise portion of our website at itgfootball.com. Now, again, if you guys haven't oriented yourself with itgfootball.com, all the episodes are obviously available there. We'll be doing some other cool stuff as well, in addition to the merchandise. But the merchandise will be coming soon. But as far as pivotal moments go, here's what I would look to, Wes. Uh, it's interesting in a game like this to find a pivotal moment because that's not necessarily a situation where one or two plays so directly impacted the outcome as maybe they did against a Kansas or a Pitt. But they can definitely impact the flow or the nature of the game, sure. right, which direction it's going to go. And the one I would point to, West Virginia sliced right through the Towson defense to open the game like a hot knife through butter, right? Uh, one up 7 nothing. Well, the next thing you know, uh, Towson comes out and what I like to say, Morris Claiborne does, right? You know, the, the kick returner for LSU Stop. in 2011. Why, that, why yeah, we PTSD. So the next thing you know, uh, they bust one for 98 yards to tie the game. And the stadium was kind of silent and all that energy was gone. Well, we get the ball back. Fair enough. We start marching again until we find ourselves at our own 47, suddenly facing not a third one, but a fourth and one. So what to do? at your own 47. Uh, well, different situation than what we saw at Pitt for a host of reasons. Again, argue that one way or the other. But in this circumstance against that Towson front, what we decided to do, let's let's roll the dice a little bit and, and go for broke here. Uh, so we, we give it to the big man in CJ. He picks up five, busts his way through. That sets the tone for the rest of the possession, the rest of the drive. We methodically march down. Tony Mathis scores. We go up 14 to seven and never look back. I mean, just think. If I mean, they had a defensive tackle that an NFL scout was there looking at. I mean, just imagine if somebody in their front six, front seven slips yeah. through a gap, you know, secures a run fit, you know, knocks us for a no gain or a TFL. Uh, again, I'm not saying that would have put the outcome of the, the, the contest at large in jeopardy, right, right. but it certainly would have dragged us into a different situation and dynamic than what we would have wanted. I mean, this very much went according to script outside of that kickoff the rest of the day. But now you're looking at, wow, it's 7-7. Seven to seven. They get the ball in our territory. Now it's going to get dragged probably into the second quarter. Uh, here we go. You know, Yeah, we'll separate, but we're not going to get the young guys in that we wanted. We're not going to get the, the, the older guys out as early as we So I think that was a critical moment in this football game, that fourth and one. And I like that you went there, right, because my pivotal moment was shortly thereafter. Um, WVU obviously converts that fourth and one. Like you said, CJ goes for five yards. They end up scoring the touchdown, 14-7 to lead. You kick the ball back to Towson. And your defense, which all of a sudden had been – I mean, at this point, I think there was 
six something, seven something left in the in the first yeah. quarter. Does, yeah. does, does, does that sound right? So your defense, yeah. your defense has been sitting on their hands for the first nine minutes of the game, basically, um, and that can be. You're in you're in the hot sun, right? You're you're in the, the 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 dark navy helmets and the gray jerseys. Maybe you're getting a little warm. Maybe all that stretching and warm ups. Now you've been sitting there for you know 15, 20 minutes of, of real time, with with just waiting to get that first crack. Uh, my pivotal moment is the defense getting out there for the first time. The game's already fourteen to seven. Um, they kind of had their opportunity. Okay, right? We drive down the field, we score. Well, they take the ensuing kickoff back, and they think we're right in this. Well, WVU comes back down, converts the fourth down, scores again, 14-7. But Towson is still thinking, all right, we're fine. Let's yeah. put a drive together here. Let's, you know, let's, get the, let's get the offense going. The WVU defense, again, sitting still there for a long time, comes out three and out, gets the ball right back. You have that huge CJ run. All of a sudden, you have the, the cushion that you want right on the scoreboard, the two-possession cushion, and the route was on. For me, my pivotal moment was the defense – Waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and then able to come right out, three and out, get your offense the ball back. Don't give Towson any more life, any more breath mm -hmm. than they already had. That was my pivotal moment that's brought to you one. by our friends at High Street Prince. Yeah, that's a good one. And, you know, it, it's funny you'd say it, Wes, because it, it's the old quarterback in me. It's the old offensive coordinator and play caller in me. Anytime there's a special teams touchdown with the other team, or anytime there's a defensive touchdown by the other team, my mind immediately races to one thing. Play counts. Play counts. Advantage us. Yep. Your defense is right back out there. So if it's a game where you already put together a lengthy drive, come on, guys, back out here. Oh, you didn't have time to finish your Gatorade after that 12-play drive? Well, you're right back out here again. Let's see if we can double that for you and how you feel about after that. Yeah, see how excited you are about the kickoff return after we get this second lengthy drive against. Right, or right. if it's a game where you have a play count deficiency and you're behind in snap counts, that's your opportunity to match them and rest your defense. So anytime there's a special team score or a defensive score by the other team, my mind, before they even get to the end zone, is immediately, immediately going to play count numbers. How high can we get this to get something out of this and hurt them for doing that? So. Yeah. And in that situation, at one point, it was 23 to three because they had the three and out. And we had like a 12 play drive, an 11 play drive, something right, like that. Right. So we right. jumped out to this huge lead on a hot day where you expected cramping in the second half. And the next thing you know, I mean, see, that's what we couldn't do against Kansas. If you do that against Kansas, you get into that depth that we talked about. Well, we couldn't. When you do that early to a football team, that puts you in a, a position of tremendous leverage and advantage because you're going to get into their depth. I mean, sometimes when I look at play counts at halftime, I'm a little concerned. If we have a deficiency of 10 or 12 plays and they're getting the ball, I'm like, man, I really hope. Because if we be don't get a three soon, out, yeah. you know, they're going to have a 20-snap advantage. And this thing starts to, you know, I mean, what, what's, this, what's the old saying that fatigue makes cowards out of all of us? Yep. Well, that's the kind of thing that starts to impact you in the third and fourth quarter of a football game. So, and, and and sometimes, depending on the flow of the game, you can start to see it coming as early as the first or second possession. And this was one of those games where you could start to see that unfolding very early through West Virginia's first two possessions that we were going to have that kind of advantage in the second half. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and those uh, that was created by those pivotal moments that uh, mm -hmm. that we just shared there. Good stuff, Jed. This was fun. Yeah, it was. Did we forget something? We're missing something, huh? Oh, Owen. 
Where's Owen? Well, oh, okay. He's going to make uh, an appearance. Well, what do you got for us? Uh, whether he likes you, it or not. Make sure you're okay. watching on YouTube here, folks, so you can yeah, see. Yeah, because I don't know if we can do this justice, all right? Oh, okay, my now, goodness. Uh, I, I just found this on Google, so it has to be true. Is that a little, is that a little Dutch boy, or is that Owen Schmidt? <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever watched Saturday Night Live with the Mike Myers. I don't remember what the character's name was. but Klaus? You know, Klaus, something like that. Yeah, he was Euro <laughs> trash kind of, and, and he'd say, now is the time when Sprockets would be dance. All right, well. Uh, again, uh, uh, look at look at the big man. He's he's the guest on Sprockets. It's been to be dance, you know. Incredible. So, but we, we like to pick on him because he's not here. We will have uh, much more for you this week. We'll have our first ITG no huddle with Owen. That's what he's on assignment doing a little advanced scouting for right now. It'll, there'll be shorter episodes, you know, maybe about just fifteen boom, minutes boom, boom. or so. Yeah. Um, one or two topics. Hit them. Discuss them. Laugh a couple times and, and keep it moving. So we'll have our first ITG no huddle for you this week. And, of course, we will, obviously, in a couple days, uh, have the full Virginia Tech VPI preview for you. Jedi, you know, we, we talked about the pistachio theory in the last episode, and the only way to get the bad taste out of your mouth is with a good taste. I tell you what, we've, we've got an opportunity to get cracking on some pistachios Thursday night in Blacksburg against those turkeys. And, uh, and I'll be excited to, to break it all down with you here in a couple of days. That would be an absolute flavor burst, right? And, yes, it uh, would. And, and, and pistachio and, I've ever had. And, oh, absolutely. And the thing about it is, you know, we, we talked about this ITG no huddle we came up with. Again, they're going to be episodes, but they're going to be condensed, compact, boom, boom, boom. And what we got set up for the first one is a really cool lead-in to set up the game Thursday night in Blacksburg. We think you guys are going to get a kick out of it, so. Uh, it's going to be pretty neat. Enter Sandman, baby. I can't wait. I yeah. can't wait. Um, I'm stoked. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. And uh, and we'll be here with you guys the entire way. And uh, and so, yeah, keep uh, keep locked in and subscribed and liking and following all of our social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at In The Gun Podcast, uh, In The Gun Podcast on YouTube as well, too. Make sure you're subscribing there. And uh, be an ear, tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. Uh, that'll do it for this episode, episode nine, our Towson recap. Thanks to everybody uh, for listening. Thanks to all of our sponsors who make this possible. And, uh, Jed, it's going to be a big week. It is a big week here. It's a short um, week. It's a short yeah, week. I mean, it's, it's a big it's, week. It's already, you know, Neil was addressing with the team in the post game. Yeah, yeah. Really, things that already started Friday and Saturday morning from a hydration standpoint, the way your body can be impacted on Friday leading to Monday, Saturday morning leading to Monday, because Monday's here, you turn around Thursday's here. You got to treat your body differently on a short week. So the sports science side of it gets wild. When, oh, yeah. when it's it's, such it's a almost like it's around. Wednesday or Thursday already right. in a, in a, exactly in a, normal, their in a body. normal game That's week. Right. Yeah. yeah, so let's get rested. Let's get recovered. Let's go get some turkeys. For Jed Drenning, I'm Wesley Euler. We'll talk to you guys in a couple days here. Thanks, as always, for following along. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.